Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Decipher podcast. Uh, it's your boy, Kalen Moorhead here. Hey, it's your man, Cameron Luck. We're back again. Nice to see you guys again. Hey, it's been a minute, but uh, we, we're ready to talk to you today about a, a very important topic, which is soft skills needed to be a UX designer. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's always super important to like, obviously, you need to have like technical skills and everything like that and have an understanding of certain like parts of design acumen right but what is it um that you know on a day-to-day basis you're going to need to be able to bring to the table bring to to your work to be able to uh actually like constructively have sort of the process of designing a product unfold and to help work through the business world in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Because I think everybody that thinks about like going into design, they think always about, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in Sketch or Figma all day. I'm going to be designing awesome things. And like, Mm -hmm. I think I was talking to somebody last week and I'm like, I've been in Figma for four hours in the past two weeks because we're (laughs) early in a lot of projects and I'm just going through and gathering requirements, talking with people, things like that. So you can definitely, yeah. <laughs> you definitely have to have a lot of different skills to be a designer of any type. And uh, soft skills are probably one of the bigger aspects that people forget about. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think it's always important, obviously, in whatever type of job you have um, to have those cert- those sort of like you know, soft skills to be able to deal with everyone that you're working with on a day-to-day basis. But um, I think specifically when it comes to user experience design, um, the first thing I always keep in mind is sort of like that idea of the empty chair in the room being dedicated to the customer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I even right now kind of like go back and forth on terms of like how soft of a skill is it to be like customer focused, right? Sure. Because it's is really what is taught as part as like the backbone of the design process. But I think it's really simple or really easy um, once you get into the actual like working corporate world, um, not even corporate, just start making an actual product for your job. It's really easy to sort of forget that sometimes yeah. and start thinking about like, oh, we got to, you know, up this metric. We got to up engagement. We got to make more money this way, that way, you know, however you want to put it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good story to, to put in. I think that idea of like, hey, there's always supposed to be one empty chair in the room during a meeting was something that like Bezos started at Amazon. And so like that's been a Somebody, thing. Somebody, yeah. That's been a thing at like uh, at Amazon for a while. So it's interesting because you do lose that pretty easily. Like I know a lot of the time people will just start having conversations about products and there's a million solutions and then they completely lose sight of the customer problem, right? So there's... And I think another slippery slope there is when people try to see themselves as the customer, Mm, like that's mm -hmm. quite a slippery slope. So then you start getting into like, even part of the soft skills thing here is to redirect this back towards like customer problems. Because a lot of the time what I see is people start thinking themselves, they start thinking of themselves as the customer. Then they start Mm -hmm. bringing in solutions and ideas for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then when you kind Mm -hmm. of start disproving them or disagree with them, they take it personally because it feels more like a personal attack. You know what I'm saying? So like even Oh, you don't like my color changes? What's wrong with you? Okay. What's wrong with magenta on everything? Even managing like how to talk about ideas is is a soft skill in general, and especially in that yeah. specific situation, because not everything flies and 
a lot of the time you're in this situation where you want to feel like you're supporting everybody, but like not all the ideas are mm -hmm. going to be great or useful for, your, for right. your project. And a lot of your own ideas won't be either. So like you have to demonstrate how to go through those things, right? So it's a, it's a pretty difficult mm -hmm. um, thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I just want to even to go back on the thing you were saying about like making yourself the customer because I, I, I struggle with that from time to time because <laughs> I work on a product that I actually use personally. Right. So it's really easy to just sort of say like, oh yeah, we totally need to move this here and like put this one thing in there. And it's like, who uses that? I'm like, well, I do. And they're like, but like, who else does? And you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Don't worry about it. It's like else. me, myself, and I, okay? <laughs> but speaking of what you're saying, like, I think one of the things that comes across as like a really valuable soft skill, just we're kind of beating mm -hmm. around the bush right now, is how do you, mm -hmm. how do you qualify ideas, right? So right. like qualifying, hey, this idea is testable or this idea is good enough to go into the product. How do you qualify those things, right? So mm. a large amount of the time, everyone's going to bring ideas to the table for the product. It's not like development where only the developers are going to be really committing mm. code and coming up with ideas. It's most people will be bringing something to the table here. So how do you say, hey, this mm. is help. This is good. This one's not. Um, and this is what we're going to do with them. And I think mm. a large amount of the time when you're first starting on a team, you really need to build trust with all of your team members. So something mm -hmm. I normally do is I either I will either at a very early stage of a project kind of let all the ideas fly and then we'll sort them down with like dot voting and things like that. And then just prototype almost anything and test it with customers so they can hear mm -hmm. the feedback themselves and see mm -hmm. the process is not about me making a decision based on my opinion. Right. So right. Like, that's one way. And then the other way, that other positive there is it shows that your ideas are just as susceptible to the same criticism. Right. So it's like, Hey, yeah. all of our yeah. ideas are going to be pitted together at the same time. It's not like I'm the designer and I, run the ship here, you know, so that I, helps I a lot. Shots. Yeah, exactly. Right. I am the captain. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am the design captain. <laughs> so I'm like, I think finding ways to where your ideas and other people's ideas can be visually supported the same way, but also critiqued in the same way is super important. So like whenever, um, mm -hmm. normally when I'm working on a team, I'm, um, I will help other people visualize mm -hmm. their ideas. So I'll be like, hey, let me go up and when when ideas come up and they're and people have voted on them and we want to use them, right. I right. will prototype and design out all the parts the same way I would prototype and design out my own thing. So then it's very similar. Mm -hmm. I check with the person as a primary stakeholder, say, hey, is this what you were envisioning? Is this what it's going to be like? And then once mm -hmm. that's done, I'll concept test both of those together. Um, so then right. you get a very well well-rounded response. And I always the other thing I always do is try to say, hey. We're going to do a lot of divergent ideas. There's no one right idea here. And we're going to pick the best pieces from each of these and pull these together. Exactly. I literally um, am in the process of a design sprint right now at work. And there is, uh, you know, we broke out onto, te onto small teams. And so everyone's supposed to go through our scenario and try to figure out, uh, you know, just whatever your design is for your team. And. I remember, you know, we're, it's me and two other people. Um, one is another designer on my team and so, the other guy, I believe, is uh, PM. He's a stakeholder. And so <clears throat> uh, during like once we all broke off into our group, they're like, they kind of looked at me and they're like, so what do we do here? Like, you've been through a design sprint. Like, how, how does this work? And I'm just like, everybody just like we're all going to just take our idea, take this idea. Like we have sort of a rough framework of what it's going to be like. 
over the next couple hours, everyone works on it, you know, independently right. and we'll come back together. And then we just look through each idea and we just find things that work about them and like that work would work really well together. And so everyone's going to have like parts of their process that are more thought out than others or that are more creative than someone else's. And so by having a process like this, you get to just pick the pieces that work. Yeah. Um, so like the start is from the other designer on my team to like big part in the middle is a lot of the other PM guy. And I have right. like the third part at the end. Um, and you put it together and you can end up with a great product. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things you'll hear a lot, kind of uh, tangential to what you're saying, but related, one thing you're going to hear a lot as a designer um, in the industry is you need to, quote, bring everyone along. So mm -hmm. like bringing the team along, bringing the stakeholder mm -hmm. along with the design, not just mm -hmm. going out and designing things um, right. on behalf. So kind of what you're speaking to in this concept of a design sprint, right? Is a really good way. Mm -hmm. I think when people look at design sprints, they're like, oh yeah, they look at the output. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to get this prototype right. at the end. Um, right. And really you get research data, things like that, right? So if you look at the traditional design sprint from the book, it's like, hey, you get together with all the stakeholders, you build a couple things out, you build a prototype. And at the end, people think it's an output generation tool. It's not. It's a hundred percent an alignment tool. So like, mm -hmm. it's a really mm -hmm. good way to bring people along Whenever you're early mm -hmm. in a project and people don't really understand things, you can talk a lot, get on the same page and at least execute one idea. But this construct mm -hmm. of like, hey, you got to bring people along is a big deal in design. You don't, you're not an agency. You don't just go yeah. off and design something and then come yeah. back with the solution, right? So I think right. that's when we talk about soft skills, like that's the thing you hear a lot that you're going to need mm -hmm. to learn the most. And so if I asked you, like, what does it mean to bring people along? What would you say and mm -hmm. how do you do it? Mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, I think it's about trying to really build relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I have, I just personally think I have a great ability to be able to like connect with folks. And I know that's not something that like everyone does, but it's really simple as far as even just sort of like reaching out to them for their opinion on stuff that you're working on. And right. so as you're working through this design process, say, hey, you know, here's like two or three four different takes on this thing. Just want to get some input from you. Uh, you know, here's pros and cons, yada, yada, whatever. And once they give you that back, you take that in and, you know, work it into the design. And it helps build a relationship in the sense that it makes them invested in it too. It, right. it incorporates their feedback. And that's sort of what you, and that's what you were alluding to earlier in that you bring in other people's ideas to the product and it makes it a better product. Right. Um, and so I think one of the things I had jotted down for uh, this topic was just like the idea of balance. And so I think it's a balance in terms of in a lot of different ways. And one being, you know, how much of this is mine versus how much am I taking in from other people and letting that influence some of this? Um, you know, how much do I need to focus on purely the customer versus just the business? Um, you know, think and there's always all kinds of trade offs. And so you just have to be able to calculate those pros and cons and you know weigh those risks and figure out sort of the best path forward for whatever your goal is ultimately there's normally two big things i do to get a lot of uh kind of stakeholder buy-in and understanding mm -hmm. up front what i've noticed mm -hmm. over the years is like stakeholders are the most nervous when they don't know what the plan is they're mm -hmm. like hey we mm -hmm. don't know what the plan is designers mm -hmm. just go off and do stuff sometimes so 
The number one yeah. thing I do at the kickoff of any project is I kick it off, I understand what the scope is, and then I sit down and write up a, a rough schedule and plan. I say, hey, I think these are the things that we need to do. I think I'm going to need mm-hmm. to do sketches. But if I need a design sprint, I'll slot that in. Depending mm-hmm. on the project, I'll, I'll scope it differently. I say, these are the dates that I'm thinking, like just projected. And they can change. It's just like, here's a framework of the project. And this is the delivery mm-hmm. date that you said. So we're going to get this done. And then I communicate that. And I'm like, here's the three or four places you're going to come in for feedback. And then they're like, oh, I understand mm-hmm. where, where I am. Because a lot of it is about right. them understanding, like, where do I come in? When do I have the opportunity Absolutely. to provide feedback? Right? For so sure. like, if they don't know that, they get they panic. They're like, oh, I have no idea. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. That- Go ahead. Good. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I, you know, I'm less senior than Cam is, but I still find, and so I find that while I don't necessarily always write the timelines for stuff like this, then I bring in the PM who does. And so yeah. they're able to sort of like weigh in, you know, it's like, well, you know, we got these releases we're working on. We got this thing that's kind of already in flight. This is a like low tier priority. This is a mid tier priority. And it's like, it's also really great because, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have someone to say like, we're not getting to that right quite yet, (laughs) but if you don't want to do (laughs) it, right. But still it's like, you want to have a, as you're saying, just trying to like, let them know upfront and give them a just expectation as far as like, what this is going to look like, what you need to bring to the table, because there are oftentimes people just bring a concept to you and not yeah, really like yeah. a full design request right. and like all the things you need. So it's like, you need to work on this. And like other times where I'm like, you're not even asking the right question here. This isn't solving for anything. Like you have a much bigger issue that you need to deal with over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think just to what you're saying before, it's like really trying to clarify on the front side, like what this projects process is going to look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And like the the big thing there too is like giving them those kind of rough outlines. There's something mm-hmm. that I notice a lot of the time with different designers is they'll get frustrated like, oh, my PM expects to see high fidelity designs and I want to do mm-hmm. low fidelity and iterate more. This is the mm-hmm. time to do it. Set the stage, say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a lot of sketching, a lot of low fidelity and I'll iterate at the end. This is when you do it. Because then like mm-hmm. I've, I've joined teams where the whole team was doing high fidelity or something. And I'm like, I'm not going to work like that. You communicate at the start of these projects when you start going through and you're saying, hey, this is how we're going to tackle it. And you're the this is where, like, I would say you need to speak up and say, this is what I own. You guys mm-hmm. will co-own the actual design and the product together. But you yeah. own the process like you right. are the process owner and you are going to own how this gets out and how you change these things. You'll bring mm-hmm. everyone in to collaborate with, but this is where you need Absolutely. to step up and say, hey, I'm owning this. My second mm-hmm. tip is kind of related to what you said. And this is one that earns a lot of trust as well. So like everything we're talking about with relationship building is like you're earning trust by doing these mm-hmm. things with these people. The mm-hmm. biggest one I always see is almost every t- every project, you have some hotly debated topic like, oh, we don't mm-hmm. want to do it that way. Or there's two different ways that people are seeing it. And like mm-hmm. I keep a log of these things and I, I normally have this thing called a directional decisions. Like it's a wiki or a doc mm-hmm. or whatever you guys use. Like I normally make a wiki and I say, here's all the directional decisions. And I design every single thing. Like uh, let's say there's, there's like one design you disagree on. I'll design both versions and I'll say design recommends this one. This is why. And if mm-hmm. there's no testing data, I won't recommend anything. I'll say, hey, we don't know yet. Um, this is pending is what I'll actually slot it on. And then whenever mm-hmm. we test it and I see a, a, a signal, I'll say this is the one that's recommended, regardless of if it was the one I was supporting or not up front. Right. Right. And then when I go to present these designs later, like let's say there's a new stakeholder we're bringing in, 
I'll show mm -hmm. both of them. I'll show here's the main one we're doing and here's the one that we recommend. And then in the appendix, I'll say here was the alternatives. Here's the pros and cons. And I say the pros and cons of both. So mm. not during the, the actual workflow, I'll just show the main one. But then I'll say, hey, right. here's the appendix. Here's the main one. Here's the pros and cons of this. Like, oh, this does mm -hmm. really well with upsells, but might lose customer trust. And then here's the here's the second one. And here's pros and cons. Of this one doesn't do upsells yeah. as well, but might have better customer trust. Like those kind of things, I'll list them. And then people are like, mm -hmm. hey, I, I like what I the feedback I get most of the time is I like that you came up front and told us what the debated topics were and why you are saying this one over that one and giving us reasons mm -hmm. in the both because a lot of the mm -hmm. time designers just present it as this is the design deal with it. Right. So right. like that's, right. that's another tip I would lean into. I mean, yeah, no one wants to deal with some, with anyone who's like combative, right. Or <laughs> right. who just like, you know, hogs, you know, just like I'm taking my ball and going home if, right. you know, there's a disagreement on the design. And so I think to that point, there's a, other skill of being inquisitive and right. always thinking like, okay, if we don't know this answer, let's go find something out. Yeah. Um, we have just a hunch on some some issue that we think customers are facing. Let's do some more research into that. You know, we're at a, an impasse, like, a, you know, we're at an impasse and we just need more information to figure out what, what we're doing and to try and iterate on this and to build out the best product. And so <clears throat> by trying to drive home that point of like figuring out at least your guiding light yeah, on yeah. what your decision on like, you know, decision to decision, that's going to give you a lot of uh, just like kudos, a lot of street cred as someone <laughs> who very uh, focused on finding the, you know, making the right product. Yeah, I either I either do that or I just come in with a, a teardrop under my eye. One of the normally <laughs> Like Wheezy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the, the thing you're saying too, like um, testing should be a fundamental piece. I've been in situations oh, where yeah. like I'll have product partners, like I don't want to test anything and they just want to hold to their opinions, right? Mm -hmm. That should be a red flag and it should be. So mm -hmm. part of your like upfront discussions would be, hey, we're going to test things and I'm perfectly fine building out your opinion and designing it and testing it versus mine, but we're not just going to hold an opinion to the end of this. And so like, right. you'll have to get those things set up up front and make sure that testing and research is part of this. Right. Yeah. And I think like one of the other things that came to mind too, is I've dealt with a lot of difficult product or, or development partners over the years. Right. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. normally you'll have mostly people that are, are looking to collaborate, looking to help out, things like that, but it doesn't always happen. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the questions, a lot of the time is like, okay, how do you, how do you manage these stakeholders? Right. So mm -hmm. like, um, it's like one of the things that's difficult a lot of the time is let's say a product partner comes in and just doesn't want to communicate or work well. Okay. Some, something that I've done in the past is all of the people that are either known to be more challenging or I've learned are more challenging across the product mm -hmm. I, or mm -hmm. the, the development cycle, I will make one-on-ones mm -hmm. with for like twice a week, two or three times a week. And all we do is brainstorm ideas. I'll say, hey, what are all your ideas? Let's whiteboard them. Okay, cool. Is this what you're saying? Cool. Okay, this is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. And you just spend way more one-on-one -on -one time trying to align with them every single week. I also do that right. at the beginning of any project with my PM just because yeah. you need to stay uh, together pretty easily. But that's yeah. an easy way. Like a lot of designers will try to shy away from the difficult people and just not mm. interface with them when that actually mm -hmm. is the opposite of what you want to do. You want to interface yeah. with them and start breaking those walls down as soon as possible. 
Yeah, I definitely find that just the interpersonal relationship part of this is a lot more crucial than I think people understand. You know, you can have however many degrees, certificates uh, done, you know, have whatever kind of an amazing portfolio. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like you're still working with other human beings. And so in the same way that you're supposed to be focused on users in your actual design work, you have to be focused on the users that are the people around you. Um, So you have to be willing to sort of like put aside any hostilities you might have towards a PM or a stakeholder or something like that. And, you know, extend that olive branch and just try and like figure, yeah, just like get to know them a little bit as a person. And then like you're saying, uh, sit down sort of one-on-one with them as far as working out the concepts and working through the kinks of the design. Yeah. I think a large amount of the time too, it's like somewhat unclear what the product manager's role is versus the designer's role. So mm-hmm. like even just sitting down and saying, Hey, this is, this is what I consider our design decisions. Mm-hmm. What do you consider our product decisions and working that out? Not even talking about the actual product, but like mm-hmm. establishing a process of how you're going to work together early mm-hmm. on will mm-hmm. solve so many problems down the road. Because what yeah. I've seen most of the time when you have a product partner that's hard to work with is they think that it's their decision and you think it's your decision. It's like mm-hmm. you have to figure that out. And if you guys can't come to an agreement, you have to escalate that up to like a product partner or a, a design manager and let them have that mm-hmm. degree, de- mm-hmm. that uh, discussion. Because there should be clear, like, this is where the decision point needs to be made. Um, Mm -hmm. Because at a certain point, it has to be, somebody has to make the decision, right? And like, the more nebulous that is, the more you're going to butt heads over time. Yeah, just naturally. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I'm going to ask you this real quick. So when it comes to soft skills, if you could, if you could give one tip or like one piece of advice that you didn't know when you first started. Mm -hmm. Um, about soft skills in, in specific, what would you tell people? What would you say like they should know when they first start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think the thing that has stood that stood out to me um, throughout my career is the idea that like communication is key. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's like you got to be communicator in chief or something because <laughs> honestly, it's like, it's as much about the design work itself as it is, is just letting people know like where you are on stuff and like where you're going, what you're thinking and like why um, a lot of the time. And so when I run into a problem, I used to just personally uh, be that kind of guy who's like, I need to figure this out on my own and deal with this right. and like come up with a solution and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if it takes you more than like, I don't know, I would say at most half a day to like figure this thing out by yourself, just email someone else, hit them up on Slack, like chime, whatever your thing is. But like, you need to just unblock yourself. And by doing that earlier in the process, you're going to save yourself a lot of headache down the road. For sure. And I would, I would piggyback on that saying like communication is bigger than just discussions too. like communication is the primary thing that you need to know as a designer. And that applies to your work as well. So I choose prototypes a lot of time to help communicate vision and strategy and things like that, because I feel like they're much Mm -hmm. more powerful. Design is interactive. Mm -hmm. It's not just, we're not graphic designers. We're interaction designers. So if I'm presenting something as a slide deck, it loses a large amount of the design that I've spent time on. Right. So I, Mm -hmm. so think about how you communicate your design going forward too. And at what stage, what do you need to communicate it? That's when I was Mm -hmm. even talking about the fidelity thing a second ago. Okay, if we're really early and we're just brainstorming ideas, 
-hmm. What's the most rapid thing I could do? Hey, we have six different ideas. Let me sketch them all really quickly. Not let me build right. a full prototype, right? So, right. Yeah, and I think like if I was going to give one piece of advice that was kind of in the soft skills area, it, it's kind of like mm -hmm. a, a hard skill also. And it's related to what you said. It, it's project management. I don't think people realize mm -hmm. how important project management is. And that's a key port portion yes. of communication as well. Um, yes. But even just understanding your own personal design process is one portion of it. But then understanding how to communicate that design process to other people so mm -hmm. they can understand it. Like mm -hmm. I normally don't spend a lot of time trying to explain to people every piece of the design process. Instead, I try to use analogies to help un them understand it or relate mm -hmm. to them in their own terms. Like if I'm talking mm -hmm. to a developer, I'll relate my process to their process very similarly. In a more technical way yeah. than maybe just your average, uh, I don't know, your average PM or somebody like that. But yeah, yeah. I hear you. So I'm like, I think a large, and then like being able to manage your own timelines and execute on them and then mm -hmm. only promise delivery on, based on, uh, on timelines whenever you know you can get it done. So I, I make yes. really unaggressive timelines and then deliver way before. So people are always mm -hmm. really excited. So it's the whole under promise over deliver thing. You'll, you'll feel pressured to say, hey, I need to get this done in four weeks, blah, blah. And then people will give you a lot of crap about like, oh, we don't have time for research. We don't have time for this. Just stick to it. You can say, hey, you know what? You said the delivery for this project is in March. I can actually do a lot of the UI design as the developers mm -hmm. are doing this. They really just need more wireframes. And you can kind of communicate to them like, no, I'm going to stick to this schedule. We can drop these pieces if we need to, but this is the right. best way to get this done. Um, because people will always try to rush you. And the more rushed yeah. you are, you're going to start feeling more and more backed up. You're going to start missing deadlines and they're going to be more upset than if you just said, no, I need an extra two weeks. You know, so yeah. definitely manage yeah. your timelines and don't let people bully you around just because you're a designer. <laughs> like it's not because <laughs> a, a lot of the time you do get bullied around because designers are sure normally trying to be like a, a glue person on the team. They're trying to communicate, be a leader and things like that. So they'll get pushed mm -hmm. around more than a developer will. Um, so mm -hmm. de definitely make boundaries there. Utilize your PM partners to set boundaries your dev partners to set boundaries and go forth and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> Be fruitful. <laughs> My design children. No. <laughs> uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I think that was really the last of it for me though. Uh, I trying to think of any other departing pointers. And I don't know. I think as far as the communication thing that comes to mind is like, it really helps to also, I've learned, communicate with my users through the product and to like be able to have good UX copywriting um, yeah. is a good copywriting can actually save you a lot of headache. <laughs> I've learned. Of design too. It, it really does. It like saves you like two or three whole screens. If you could just write out a couple like, like <laughs> a sentence or two very properly, then you yeah, you can un unload a lot of work for yourself. That can probably be our next discussion because that's a whole that's a whole thing in and of itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, soft skills well, great. is a several port portion port ah, several part discussion as well. But we can revisit it True. later. <laughs> Absolutely, we we got tons of tons more topics we could talk about, and this will certainly be on the rotation. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us again this week, and. Uh, for your boys here at Decipher Design Podcast, it's Kaylin Moorhead. Cameron Luck, see you next time. We out. <laughs>